would happen if the extraordinary becomes ordinary? That's the challenge that we have been embracing now for several weeks as we've been studying through Acts chapter 2 and the beginnings of the New Testament church. We've been asking ourselves over and over what happens when what we usually consider to be extraordinary becomes ordinary in our lives. You know what I found as a pastor and just in general in life is that people like to talk, right? I mean, people just sort of like to talk. Uh, there's a study that I, you've, I've heard uh, uh, cited a lot of times about how women use twice as many words in a day as men do. As I, I, I've, I've heard that a lot of times before, so this week I went trying to, to find that. I don't think that's true. I mean, I, I think it's just sort of like a wives' tale that's been passed around the internet a lot. Nothing ever gets passed around the internet that's not true, you know. Uh, but anyway, so this is this statistic's been passed around a lot, and it's not really true. Uh, there is a study, 2007 study, that found that women and men use roughly the same number of words a day. So women, just slightly higher, use about 16,200 words for women compared to men's 15,600 words a day. And so it's pretty, pretty close. There's, a, you know, some of us, men or women, who might bring the curve down a lot. We don't use a lot of words. Uh, and then there's some of us that are like pulling the average way up, right? We like to talk nonstop, you know. And so there's, there's a, a medium here in the, in the middle where basically men or women are going to use fifteen or 16,000 words a day. So the reality is that we, we really like to, to talk. We, we're communicative. We're expressive as, as people. For example, this week, how many of you told someone this week about your kids or your grandkids? All right. How many of you this week or, you know, since like 11 o'clock last night, told someone about UT winning the football game? Okay, so y'all just had a short time span, you fit it in, that's good, okay. Uh, how many of you told someone this week about a restaurant where you had eaten? Okay, quite a few. Uh, how many of you this week uh, told someone about a story that you saw on the news? Okay, quite a few people. How many of you this week uh, told someone about something that happened at your work? Okay. How many of you this week uh, told someone about how pretty the colors were on the leaves? Okay, a lot of people. Uh, how many this week, I know this is going to get a lot. How many th this week told someone about how cold it got? Okay, quite a few people talked about that. How many of you mentioned that the time changed to someone? Anybody? Okay, quite a few. I'm seeing a lot of hands every single time. How many of you told somebody about the gospel of Jesus Christ this week? Okay, that's good. I'm really glad to see that. Because here's what I have come to realize as a pastor, is that we really don't have a problem talking. We have a problem talking about Jesus. We talk about all kinds of things all the time. But today, as we're going to finish this series called Ordinary, we're going to see at the very tail end of that passage about how salvation became ordinary in the life of this New Testament church. And I believe that salvation will become ordinary when we become obedient to proclaim the gospel. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 41 through 47. I'd ask that you'd stand in honor of God's word if you're able. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. 
the word of God says. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple, and they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Thank you. You may be seated. We're going to focus in on the last part of verse 47 today. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. And as we listen to this, pa- this passage of scripture, listen to this sermon today, the challenge for us today is this. This is our action step as we're getting ready to take this word and put it into our hearts. Our action step for today is to pray for the Lord to guide you into daily gospel conversations. That you would be praying that God would guide you into daily gospel conversations. And so be thinking about that as we work through this passage of scripture today. And as we look at this, at this verse, there are two things that we're going to see if we're going to make salvation become ordinary in the church. And that is that it's going to be every day and it's going to be every one. It's going to be every day, it's going to be every one. And so we first see that it's every day. Verse 47, every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. And so that means that every day this is what was happening. Every day. It wasn't an unusual occurrence. It wasn't a special occasion. It wasn't something that they had had prepared for weeks for. This was something that was happening every day. Monday afternoon, people were getting saved over at the coffee shop. Tuesday morning, people were trusting in Jesus uh, on a telephone call. Wednesday evening, people were believing in Jesus for salvation at the church gathering. On Thursday night, people were turning to Jesus while they were sitting around a campfire. Friday morning, in the hallway at school, uh, students were trusting in Jesus as their Savior. Saturday afternoon, people were believing in Jesus when they were sitting in the bleachers before the game started. This was happening every single day. And so if, if salvation is occurring every day, as it says here in verse 47, then it can't only be happening during Sunday morning worship services. When we gather for worship on Sundays, there should be people ready to come and to publicly announce the decisions that they've made all throughout the week. It shouldn't just be happening in this time. And so salvation becomes ordinary when it happens frequently and when it happens regularly. Now the Bible tells us that the Lord wishes that none should perish but that all should come to repentance. That's why he so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. And he's given to us, his followers, the responsibility but also the privilege to announce this good news to people who are condemned in their sin. The Bible says, therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ since God is making his appeal through us. 
through us. We're the vessels. We're the messengers of this good news of the gospel. We get to tell people that there's hope and that there's redemption and that there's forgiveness because there's Jesus. And so our job is to proclaim the gospel every day, not just on Sundays. Sunday can't be the only time that I'm talking about Jesus. But for a lot of us Christians, we sort of consign our faith to certain hours on Sunday. You know, between 9 and noon. That's when we read the Bible. That's when we pray. That's when we sing the songs. That's when we do the Jesus thing. But I'm telling you that that's not ordinary. The idea would be absolutely foreign to this first century church because Jesus is everything. Their relationship with the Lord is all-encompassing. It's an everyday thing. Jesus died on the cross to save your life, not just three hours of your week. Christianity can't be compartmentalized. It's all day, every day. I mean, when you read what's happening, verses 41 through 47, you cannot come away with anything else except this was happening every day. You can't say, oh, this was Sunday morning. And so we have to engage in daily gospel conversations. It might not be that you get all the way through a gospel presentation every time that you talk with someone. But you're praying and you're looking for opportunities to give a defense for the hope that's within you. William Lane Craig writes that successful evangelism involves not only harvesting, but also sowing and watering. We must never think that because a non-believer remained unconvinced by our case that our apologetic has failed. For one encounter is not the end of the story. And so we have to be faithful at just continuing to tell. Continuing to shine the light. It might be that one day your, t- your neighbor tells you that it seems like his life's just falling apart. And you share with him empathy. And you have a sympathetic ear. And you listen to his story. And you say, I'm so sorry about what's going on in your life. Can I pray for you? And you pray with them right then. And you might say to them, you know, when it feels like my life has fallen apart, I just have to trust those things to God. And that might be all that you say on that day. But then the next time that you run into him, he says, you know, I was thinking about what you said. What did you mean when you said that you trust these things to God? What does that mean? And then you're able to share with him about how you trust in the Lord in the times, difficult times of your life. And you share about your testimony with them but they're kind of in a hurry and maybe they need to go and that's all that you say on that day. But then on the next time that you meet them, you go, hey, you know, last time we talked, I was sharing with you about what God's been doing in my life. Have you thought any more about what we were talking about? And they say, yeah, I have been thinking about it actually. And you say, was there any reason that you'd not want to trust in Jesus to be your savior today? And then you share the gospel with them. Now, the first two times that I was sharing didn't mean I failed. It means I was sowing the seeds of the gospel into their life. And God was using those conversations 
to draw this person to himself. It's not difficult. It's just telling people what Jesus has done. That God created the heavens and the earth and that he said it was good. That he created mankind to have a relationship with him. But Adam and Eve disobeyed God and they ate of that that fruit in the garden, the one command that God gave them, and they, and they sinned. And the Bible tells us that the consequence of that sin is death, that they were separated from God, and that they were cast out of his presence. And God could have left us there in that, in that hopeless condition, but he loves us. He loves you. He loves us so much that he sent his own son, Jesus, as a remedy for our problem. He came to redeem us from our sin and from death to save us. And he did what you and I couldn't do. He, he lived a life without ever sinning, without ever disobeying God. But he took on the punishment for our sin anyway when he died on the cross. And when he died on the cross, he died as a substitute for you and a substitute for me. He died so that we could live. And when he rose from the dead on the third day, he proved the, his victory over sin and over death. And so... He is the Savior of the world, and he's offering to you forgiveness from your sins. That you could be made new. That you could be reconciled to God and have a relationship with him. It's really that simple. And you say to the person, is this something that you'd like to do in your life? To trust in what Jesus did on the cross for you. To put your faith in him to forgive you of your sins. You see, there might be people even sitting in the room right now that need to make that decision in their heart. That you recognize that you've sinned against God. The Bible says all of us have sinned against God. And the only way that you can be forgiven of that sin is through this story that I just told you. That Jesus came so that you could have forgiveness, that you could have life. And that can be real in your heart if you'll put trust in Jesus as, as the Savior and Lord of your life. And every day could start today in your heart. If that's a decision you need to make at the end of our service, we're going to have a time of, of response and there's going to be leaders here across the front and it's a chance for you to come and to say, I want to make that decision today in my life. And so we see in this passage that salvation is going to be ordinary, it's going to be every day. But we also see in this passage that it's got to be everyone. Verse 47. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. And so if salvation is happening every day, then that means that everybody's got to be doing it. It wasn't just Peter and James and John that were out proclaiming the gospel. It wasn't just the deacons that come later in Acts 6 that are out proclaiming the gospel. It was everyone. Because that's what ordinary Christianity looks like. In the church today, we have professionalized evangelism. We say that's what we have pastors to do. That's what we send out the missionaries to do. That's what Christians who are serious about their faith do. Christians who are serious about their faith proclaim the gospel. So why aren't we all doing that? Because that's ordinary. I mean, the idea that that you would be a Christian that wasn't serious about your faith is ludicrous to this first century church. That doesn't even make sense to them. 
I mean, how could you give your life to follow Jesus and then not be serious about it? That doesn't make any sense. Because this is exactly what Jesus had trained them to do, is this sharing the gospel. In Luke chapter 9, verse 6, he had sent them out in pairs. It says, as they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. It's exactly what Jesus commanded them to do before he ascended to go be with the Father. Again, reiterating it, in Mark 16, verse 15, he says to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So what do you think they did? They went around everywhere preaching the gospel because that's what Jesus had modeled for them and that's what Jesus had told them to do. And so telling the gospel story is the most natural thing that a Christian could do. It's who we are. It's, it's what we do, except so often in the American church it isn't. But that's not ordinary. What's ordinary is going and telling people about what Jesus has done in your life. How do I know? Because what happens when a brand new baby Christian gets saved? What do they do? They go tell everybody about it, don't they? They only stop telling people when they get around other Christians and see that we don't do it. And we condition them to not do it. But the natural thing, the normal thing, the thing that you see happening as soon as a person trusts in Jesus is they start telling everybody about it. When someone's life was changed by Jesus, they wanted to tell people. Think about the story in the Bible of the Samaritan woman at the well who meets Jesus and she goes and tells everyone in her village about him. In John chapter 4 verse 39. It says, now many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said. When she testified, he told me everything I ever did. You think about the man with the many demons named Legion, who told everyone in the region about Jesus. In Luke chapter 8, verse 39, Jesus tells him, go back to your home and tell all that God has done for you. And off he went, proclaiming throughout the town how much Jesus had done for him. Even when Jesus told the people not to tell about his messiahship yet, they wouldn't be quiet. In Mark chapter 7, verse 36, he ordered them to tell no one, but the more he ordered them, the more they proclaimed it. So maybe that's what I need to do, right? Whatever you do, don't tell anybody about Jesus this week. I, don't, I mean, maybe that'll work, I don't know. But if, if your life has been changed by God, and you should naturally want to tell people about it. We have a 2025 vision goal out in the entrance to the atrium that we would like to see 100 individuals who are baptized every single year. And that seems like a really big goal. See, 100 people who are trusting in Christ and following him in baptism every single year. That goal will only be reached if everyone does it. But that goal will easily be reached if everyone does it. Did you hear what I said? That's why we ask the question of our church members, who's your one? This is an, an initiative all across our Southern Baptist Convention, who's your one? And your one is the person that you know in your life that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus as their Savior. It might be your neighbor, it might be your coworker, it might be someone who... Uh, uh, 
is you're involved with in youth sports. It might be uh, someone that you run into at the grocery store regularly that works there. Uh, it might be somebody in your family that lives at your house. And it's someone that you are committing to pray for every day. Lord, we're praying that this person would repent of their sin and trust in you for salvation. And not only that you'd be praying for them, that you would commit to try and tell them the gospel, to speak to them about Jesus. So who is that one person in your life? Who's that one person that that needs to know that you're committing to be your one? I know that there are a lot of obstacles for not engaging in these gospel conversations A lot of times people will say that they're afraid to do it, and I recognize that. You might feel ill-equipped, but if you're a believer, then tell them how you got saved. I mean, when you got saved, you believed in the gospel, right? So tell them them that. It's, It's really that simple. Another obstacle that people will give is they feel that maybe they're going to say something wrong. God promises us in his word that his Holy Spirit will speak through us. In Luke chapter 12 and verses 11 and 12, he says, Whenever they bring you before synagogues and rulers and authorities, don't worry about how you should defend yourselves or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that very hour what must be said. So God's going to give you the right words to say. Some people say, well, I'm shy. Some people say, well, I'm busy. Some people say, that's not my spiritual gift. And there's all sorts of obstacles that we'll name that will prevent us from proclaiming the gospel. But as Al Mohler once wrote, at the end of the day, the biggest obstacle to evangelism is Christians who don't share the gospel. That's it. Just that we got to say it. And we have to see it for what it is. It's spiritual warfare. Satan does not want you to speak the gospel. He wants you to be silent. Because when you proclaim the gospel, people hear and they believe and they're saved. But when you don't, they don't hear, they don't believe, and they're not saved. And so it's no wonder that Satan doesn't want you to speak. It's no wonder that of all the days, today's the day that my microphone didn't work. Look at what happened in this New Testament church. It says every day the Lord was adding to their number those being saved. Why was that happening? Because salvation became ordinary because everyone was doing it every day. But unfortunately, we too often remain silent. But all the words that are used to describe evangelism in the Bible are about speaking, a witness, a herald, to proclaim, to preach, to declare, to bring good news. It's all about speaking. And so this is the commission of our Lord to every one of his followers. And everyone includes you. Your job is to tell. And we just don't have a problem talking. We just have a problem talking about God sometimes. But I'm convinced that salvation will become ordinary when we all become obedient to proclaiming this gospel. And so this morning as we 
come to a time of invitation, time to respond to what God has spoken to us in his word. As we shared a few minutes ago, there might be some here today who need to respond to this good news in their own life. You recognize that what we were saying about how God loves you, about how your sin has separated you from God, is talking about you. That you need to be forgiven of your sin. The good news is that God loves you so much that Jesus came to earth to die on the cross to pay for what you've done. So that you don't have to die and hopeless in your sin you don't have to be separated from God for eternity in hell but instead you can be forgiven and you can have a relationship with God and you can have everlasting life with him in heaven that can be true for you today if you'll turn from your sin and call on Jesus as your savior so we're going to have this time of response there's going to be leaders here across the front and if this is the decision that you need to make in your heart today then you come and you say to one of these uh, leaders, I need to do exactly what he's talking about. I need to follow after Jesus in my heart. Christians today, as we think about this passage of scripture, the action step that we said was to pray for the Lord to guide you into daily gospel conversations. I believe that if we pray for God to guide us in daily gospel conversations, guess what? God's going to guide you into daily gospel conversations. It's not, you know, sometimes you wonder if you're praying according to God's will. I guarantee you God wants you to have daily gospel conversations. So when you ask him, he's going to give them to you. And so be ready to follow through and be obedient when he opens these doors in front of you. So maybe you want to spend some time today at your seat or here at this altar praying that prayer. God, I'm praying that you would guide me into daily gospel conversations. There might be Those this morning that want to come and pray for their one, God's put that person on your heart, and and you care about them, you love them, you want to see them know Jesus in their heart. You want to see them born again and have a relationship with God. Maybe you want to cry out on their behalf today here at this altar. But however God is speaking to you today, now's the time for us to be doers of this word and not just hearers only. Let's stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. God, we give you thanks this day for your word, Lord, for this whole series, Lord, about what it looks like to be ordinary as the church. And God, as we saw them devoted to the teaching, devoted to prayer, devoted to the fellowship, and all these various things, Lord, what we see here at the end is that salvation became ordinary that every day you were adding to their number those who were being saved. And God, I desperately pray that that would be true in our church. God, that every day we would see people coming to trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But Lord, that's only going to happen if it's everybody every day. And so God, I pray that you would do this work in our hearts this morning. God, that we would pray that you would guide us into daily gospel conversations, that we'd be obedient, Lord, to share and to tell the story of Jesus. God, I pray for the ones across this sanctuary this morning that need to know you. God, that we will be faithful to commit them unto you and to tell them about how they can have a relationship with you. And God, I pray for anybody here this morning that hasn't made this decision in their own heart. God, that today would be the day 
that they would say, I need Jesus. We pray it in his name. Amen.